Hi, and welcome to the Hingham Cast. I'm Allie Donnelly. This episode is brought to you by Derby Street Shops. The Hingham Cast is hyper-local. We look at the world through the lens of one small town. But the issues we explore are unfolding in communities throughout the country. And it feels like nothing is more pressing than the crisis of mental health. Before we begin, I want to let you know that this episode was recorded before the holidays. If you or someone you know is thinking about suicide or is in distress, there is a crisis lifeline you can call. It's 988. Just 988. Dial that from any phone. You are not alone. People are here who want to help you. Okay, let's go to our pre-recorded conversation with a group of women who are bringing resources together to help people struggling in a time of deep crisis for our community. You'll hear about the town trying to centralize resources for easy access, what's happening in our schools, and how quickly one provider has committed to getting your family help when you need it. I have three guests today, Susan Sarney, Heather Rodriguez, and Kathleen Bambrick. I'd love to ask each of you to just take a minute, introduce yourselves, what you do, and share a bit about the work. Susan, let's start with you. My name is Susan Sarney. I'm the Executive Health Officer for the Town of Hingham. We have just started a couple months ago the Hingham Health and Wellness Team, and it's a group of people working for the town. It is consists of Keith German. He's the Veterans Director. Aileen Walsh, she works for the police and crisis clinician. Heather Rodriguez, who's on the call, and Mary Fregoli, she's our outreach coordinator at the senior center. We do have an open position for a social worker that will be included in the team once she starts or he starts. And, and what's the mission? It's pretty broad. It's going to cover anywhere from your health, mental health, behavioral health drug addiction, alcoholism, suicide prevention, anything that would assist the residents in their health and well-being. Heather, how about you? Hi, I'm Heather Rodriguez. Thanks for having me. I'm director of school counseling for the Hingham Public School District, and I am overseeing all the school counselors and the school adjustment counselors in the district. Terrific. And those sounds you might hear are school bells. (laughs) Kathleen, how about you? Hi, Allie. Thanks for having me as well. I'm Kathleen Bamberg from Aspire Health Alliance. So Aspire is a large mental health organization on the South Shore. We service people from Quincy uh, through the South Shore down as far as uh, Situate and some other towns, including. So uh, we provide some outpatient services, some uh, supportive services in the community. We do some education about mental health services. So happy to be here and and talk more about that. Thanks. Thank you. Um, You know, Kathleen, this has been a painful time for Hingham. We're a community like everyone else suffering in the continued fallout of the pandemic and living with some terrible losses in recent weeks and months as well. Um, You know, first, I'd really appreciate you talking about kind of the general landscape, if you will, for the mental health crisis across the country for, for both adults and kids. Sure, of course. And it has been a really hard, hard time for Hingham recently. And you're right, it sort of mimics what's what's happening sort of worldwide or community-wide. In the last 10 or 15 years, we've definitely seen an increase in anxiety and depression. Um, and anxiety and depression, just let me 
tell you that that is sort of more of the common mental health disorders. Sometimes when we talk about mental health disorders or mental illness, people tend to say or think or, or conjure up in their head sort of ideas of people talking to themselves or being psychotic. And while that does happen and that is a mental illness, by and large, people experience general depression and anxiety. And we've seen those in adults and kids rise dramatically in the last you know, 10 years or so. But definitely over this time period of COVID, right, in the last two or three years, we've seen really numbers skyrocket, and especially in our young people, in kids and young adults, college-age kids, we've seen a real rise in suicide um, and anxiety. Um, our suicide numbers have dramatically increased when we sort of poll, when there's been some national polls of our high school teenagers, 12% of our high schoolers are saying that in the last year, they have seriously considered suicide. 20% of our kids in general are experiencing a mental health disorder. So to your point, it is a crisis. So. That's just really hard to hear those numbers. Um, that's devastating. Heather, I'd love to ask you to give us a sense of what you're seeing in our public schools. Right, um, so we're seeing something similar out in the community, right? So schools are a reflection of the community. They're the same members of the community, just the younger ones. And so we are seeing and have been seeing before the pandemic an increase in depression and anxiety surfacing in our kids. Um, you know, the purpose of our school is to, every educator that works with the students wants all the students to feel a sense of value, a sense of belonging. We wanna create a sense of community for our kids. Um, and during school, some kids have a hard time doing that uh, and regulating their emotions. And so we're here to help them kind of access the curriculum, access their school day, that when they do struggle, we can help them feel a little bit better. And then again, we partner with our community uh, partnerships and entities to help them get some clinical help outside of school if that's needed. Okay, I wanna dig in there in a minute, but um, Kathleen, I'm gonna go back to you for a second. You know, like we've all said, there has been a tremendous amount of loss in Hingham um, this past year um, and, and throughout the pandemic, honestly. Um, but talk to us, if you would, a little bit about the impact of traumatic events on a community and kind of the importance of addressing it, talking about it, normalizing the conversation. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, you know, bring me through that. Absolutely. And it, it's uh, just to resonate on a couple of things that Heather brought up. That is sort of she talked about being distracted and more irritable and sort of what she's seeing in the kids in the school. And that makes total sense. Those are sort of common reactions that we see from kids and adults in regards to a, a traumatic event or a stressful event. Right. And that then resonates sort of throughout the community. And all of a sudden, this sort of natural feeling of safety that we have now feels unsafe. It feels scary to go to sleep at night uh, when you're worried about a parent uh, as a child. So it, it starts to resonate and those things get impacted in your ability to focus in school and to work and to all those important features that we that we do every day. Right. Um, you know, but the nice thing about sort of coming together as a community, when it's a community impact, if we can pull people together, 
this is how action starts. This is how protocols get put into place. And, and to Heather's point, we can sort of identify things in the school is basically what she's saying, but we really need strong partners to help develop this, right? It's true. It takes a village. It takes a community. So if we pull people together, then we get some community action. Like these are how things like the Amber Alert gets started, that things change, that people come together and want to move, once they're ready to move past that sort of healing and raw place, then sometimes they're able to sort of make some really strong changes as a whole. Yeah, you know, you use the word action. Susan, you talk about the task force and the action happening there. Bring us through that a little bit, like kind of what's already happened, what is planned to happen. So with this group, it's just talking about what they have going in their kind of community. You know, we have elder services, veteran services, Heather's there with the schools on the whole town. We're also looking at resources within our houses of worship and maybe fitness places or meditation. We're try I'm trying to pull it all together so the residents have one place to go to or call with ideas because this is developing over the next, you know, years. So we'll have one place to go to and hopefully residents will feel comfortable calling either Aileen or the health department or a social worker that, you know, we hope to get on board soon to talk about what's going on and maybe how we can assist them with services. Yeah, you know, there's kind of a dual question for Kathleen and Heather. Again, talking about action, what action should we be taking right now, Kathleen, from your perspective? And then Heather, I wanna ask what action is happening in schools? So Kathleen first, if you don't mind. Sure, thank you. I think you already set it up, Allie. You know, this idea about normalizing mental health conversations, right? It's really easy for us to check in on our neighbors um, or the people we care about or even strangers about medical concerns, right? If we're in the community and we see somebody sort of struggling physically, we have no shame or worry about reaching out and assisting somebody with that. But when it comes to mental health, those kinds of things pose another another hesitation or more stigma about that. And, and people are not as willing to say up front, I'm having a bad mental health day versus a physical health day, right? So this idea about being more confident and reaching out to people and identifying mental health concerns and normalizing it and talking about it in that we're all struggling and that it, it is happening. And it's, as you say, a crisis point, large numbers. So step one would be you know, just, again, bringing that into the forefront and bringing that into our everyday discussions. But how do you, how do you make it from, and this might be an ignorant question, so forgive me, but, you know, as a mom, I'm talking to other moms and other parents and other caregivers who say, my family's in crisis. And, you know, we all feel so helpless. Um, and so I, you know, I don't, I don't really even know what the question is. Maybe it's just more of a statement. We all feel in crisis. It's a struggle to find therapists. It's a struggle to find therapists who take your insurance. It's a struggle to get a handle on whether or not this is kind of run-of-the-mill stress or, you know, short-lived impact. It, I, 
I think a lot of parents feel very, very helpless. Sure. And I love this idea that Susan just talked about. It's basically this sort of one-stop shopping, right? Is that you come in, you know, whether it's through your medical provider, whether it's through your uh, community uh, civic center or center for aging or the school, wherever it is that we bring those conversations there and we provide this sort of, you know, interdisciplinary disciplinary team, right, that can help with whatever the issues are, whether they're mental health, whether they're you know, physical or whether, you know, you need some financial assistance or whatever. This kind of one-stop shopping is a great uh, idea that Susan was talking about earlier. Susan, tell us how people access those resources as they're hearing this now. They can call the health department and I can connect them with any of the people that I mentioned. Um, And we have an email on the town website too under health. And then we're taking it a step further because I hear what everybody's saying. Everyone's in crisis and they can't even find a therapist. Heather can talk about what the schools are doing and we might do something at the town. The state's also working on a program. I talked to Department of um, Public Health the other day. They're also working on a program supposed to be starting in January, similar to finding yourself a therapist. You call in, say your needs, what services you're looking for. It can range from you know, uh, sober living, mental health, anxiety, depression, alcoholism, and if you have insurance, if you don't have insurance, and who can help you, and if it's going to be telehealth or in person. So they're working on a system too, because after the pandemic, we're all in a crisis, yeah. and we're looking for therapy and which way to you know, normalize the conversation. I think in Hingham, we need to reduce that stigma. Just like Kathleen said, it was it's not about physical health anymore. It's about both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if so, I Heather, jump in, um, really. so Susan just raised, you know, some of the changes that are happening statewide. And at Aspire Health Alliance, we're really fortunate that we've become a, a certified behavioral health center, which enables us to sort of put forth one of our exciting uh, initiatives. To your point about waiting so long for therapists, I mean, what could be worse than you're in crisis during this COVID period in time and having your social connections sort of, um, you know, restricted and then can't get to a therapist. So our open access initiative is about being able to service people immediately when they call instead of the call and they say, and we say, okay, can you wait a few months? And as soon as the therapist has an opening, they'll give you a call. So open access will give you an appointment right away in the next 24, 72 hours um, with somebody that we Uh, the role is called the navigator and they'll have an appointment with that navigator who will basically kind of triage and sort out what kinds of things need to be addressed right now. Do you have any medical concerns? Do you have any financial concerns or living or housing concerns and mental health concerns? And we kind of partner with agencies in our community and provide and try to reach out and bridge those, those transitions for people and then get them connected right away with a therapist here at Aspire um, to be able to provide some, whether it's solution-focused brief intervention or ongoing uh, longer-term issues, but be able to bring people in right away. So that's that's something we're pretty excited about. Yeah, so I just want to clarify. So if I were to call, once we hang up from this podcast, if I were to call 
you're telling me that I would have a conversation with a therapist or get started on a plan within 24 hours? Yes, 24 or, or, or 48, depending on yeah what the issue is, what the day is, what you need. Yeah. Absolutely, but okay, right away. Great. Immediate. Yep. Let me pause here for a moment before Heather shares the plans for our public schools. I want to thank our sponsor, the Derby Street Shops. Whatever your goals are in 2023, Derby Street is your one-stop destination for all things new and now. Step into sustainable shopping with Allbirds, set the tone for self-care with Skin Spa, or find your fitness happy place at Pulse Studio. If, like me, you're hoping to focus on connection this year, gather with loved ones at Restaurant Snowmai or Untold Brewery and Clandestine Kitchen Taproom and Restaurant. Plus, discover family-friendly programming all year long at DerbyStreetShops.com. That's DerbyStShops.com. Okay, back to our conversation. Heather Rodriguez is the Director of School Counseling at Hingham Public Schools. So, Heather, um, I want to circle back to you in schools. You know, there's a new national poll out from a group called Effective School Solutions, and they provide mental health services for schools. Now, obviously, they, they did poll a you know, certain parents and administrators in certain parts of the country. But um, what came out of it, for me anyway, was two things. One, that um, only 40% of administrators said they had a high level of confidence in their ability to deal with the mental health crisis in their schools compared to 16% of parents. Um, And I don't think that's like a blame game. I think that what that amplifies for me anyway is reading that is that both parents and administrators are saying or are at least asking the questions of how do we identify these needs in kids and do we have enough staffing and other supports to help kids? Where does Hingham stand in all this? Right, and that's a really interesting question because you get into – schools are not mental health clinics, we should actually probably not be the ones clinically treating mental health um, issues because we, our staff is not, although we have adjustment counselors who are either, either licensed mental health counselors or social workers, um, we don't want to be diving into clinical work during the school day and then wrapping up and sending a kid back to math class. That's not a great model mm. for anyone. So we're here to support the kids and help them regulate during the day and then really connect them with the outside resources, which is why Aspire is so great um, and having just a plethora of other entities that we can connect our students to. We um with our students that we know are working with outside therapists, very often we'll get release forms to be able to speak to those people so that we can all have the same treatment plan and get everyone's um, opinion as to what's best for the student. How do we deal with things when they happen during the school day so we can maximize their learning and their healing as they go forward. Um, In addition to Aspire, I think what Susan kind of was alluding to earlier as well, we're fortunate to have just partnered with a company called Care Solace, which is not a mental health provider themselves, but they also help facilitate getting families connected with therapists. Um, you know, within a very short period of time, we can refer a family to that service and they will help navigate insurance, make phone calls, find therapists and things like that. So um, in addition to Aspire, we have that for us as well. And it's anyone connected with a student and as well as a staff member in the school. So that's relatively recent. We just rolled that out. So we're fortunate to have that. But adolescent mental health has been um, 
you know, kind of underserved in terms of the Mm -hmm. people in the community who work with adolescents in a mental health capacity for a number of years. So we're just starting, I think, because spurred by the pandemic, um, a lot more focus on adolescent and mental health writ large. And so it's great that we're starting to get more services here. Um, So I think, yeah, Yeah. everyone's concerned about what do we do about our kids' mental health, parents, schools alike, and we want to partner to get them the help that they need. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it makes sense, obviously, right. You're, you're an education facility, but you know, but kids spend so much of their time at school, right. And, and, and school activities, is there anything happening? And I'm not, I'm, I'm asking, um, is there anything happening where services or speakers or, you know, groups are coming into the schools to talk to the kids in larger or smaller groups to help normalize the conversation as we're talking about, or to help kids see each other and themselves in, in, you know, I don't know, more empathetic ways or, or, you know, that they, that they have these resources within the schools. Yes, absolutely. And that's something a lot of it we've been doing longstanding basis. Um, and that's certainly always the goal, goal of the school counseling department is it's okay not to be okay, as they say, um, and we're here to help. And so we're here on an individual basis. We have groups of kids. We have, um, you know, often there are kids who are experiencing a similar stressor in their lives. We may do some counseling groups for that. Um, but we also have, you know, our health uh, department in health class. The mental health unit at the high school is the longest unit that they do. Um, They bring in speakers from Minding Your Mind, which is young adults who have experienced mental health challenges coming to speak to our teenagers about their experience and how they got help. Um, They do lessons on that in the middle school health curriculum as well. We have our Mm. Breathe Out program, which is meant to do depression and suicide prevention, where um, it's through the Youth Health Connection at the South Shore uh, Health and its upper class students are trained in the warning signs of depression and suicide. And every freshman gets the presentation from their peers about how to recognize um, kind of some of these signs in their peers because the Mm. kids are gonna notice what's happening with their friends a lot quicker than the adults in their lives will most often. Um, And how not only just to recognize those signs, but to connect them with a trusted adult to get them help. And so that's an ongoing program that we've had for a number of years. Um, They also try, and when we talk about, uh, we don't want to just, you know, always be recognizing the signs of depression and suicidality. We want to say, what do we do with us? Let's be more mindful. They have get out with breathe out days where, um, you know, a couple times a year, we'll encourage all teachers to take their class outside when they can during every single period, mm. we have games on the lawn. So if you're in a study hall, you can sign out and go out and just kind of get a break. You can listen to music, you can play Frisbee. Um, teachers are encouraged to just get their kids out in fresh air or have a mental health focus in their class that day. And so those are longstanding things that we've been trying to do. Um, one of our most popular Instagram accounts is Opry the Comfort Dog. And so she's a hang up police department employee. Oh, it's a she. She is. And um, our resource officer is 
in charge of her and has done an enormous amount of phenomenal work with her to get her um, in the school and just to say hi to kids. And she's had a great reception where if a kid's having a tough day and they like dogs and they want to go pet someone, (laughs) they can go and pet her and spend some time and hang out. Um, We have a brand new yoga and meditation class here at the high school to try and teach kids the skills of yoga and meditation in their everyday life. And that's been phenomenal. And we also have partnered um, with our special education parent association, the CPAC, as well as the town PTOs. And in January the 17th, um, we're having Dr. Nadja Riley, who's an, an expert in anxiety and depression, come speak to any parent in the community. It's at 7 p.m. in the high school auditorium. Um, if I could put in a plug for that, uh, to come, you know, how do you talk to your kids about depression, anxiety, recent events, uh, grief, self-harm? Uh, how do we navigate this together? And um, it's a really good chance to hear, you know, someone from the outside come echo what supports are out there and to hear um, kind of what's going on in the schools and what we think is important for the community to engage in as well. Yeah, yeah, that's great, that's great. What do you need that you don't have? Anything? I mean, we could always get more of everything. I'd love to have a counselor for every kid, but (laughs) not totally possible. But I think it's just communication. And I think um, the work that we've started with the health and wellness team for the town is really great because it is not necessarily a matter of needing more. It's publicizing what we have and making it more accessible. Um, So I think just being able to do that with the team and publicizing what we have already and making it easily accessible and kind of through a clearinghouse so it's accessible for everybody, not just the um, town people that have kids in the schools, but also the residents for everyone. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, the holidays can be a tricky time in the best of times. Um, And for a community that's feeling all this extra loss and stress at the holidays, um, I'd love for for all of you, um, if you could, to talk about ways that we can care for ourselves, ways that we might be able to care for someone else or, or, or spot some warning signs or red flags, things like that. Um, Kathleen, could I start with you? Sure. And even before that, Ellie, if you don't mind, I just wanted to sort of um, pick up on a couple of things that Heather was mentioning of the, the great resources that are going on in the schools. One of the things that Aspire does as well is provide uh, training in education in uh, mental health. And there's a, a international program called Mental Health First Aid. And we do youth mental health first aid. And we bring those to school systems because oftentimes these kids do go, even though the school is not sort of the treatment center for mental health or behavioral health issues, kids talk to the adults they trust. They talk to adults they like and feel connected with. And sometimes that's not a mental health professional, but they may come to them in a mental health concern, right, with a concern of that. So we teach a program called Youth Mental Health First Aid. And the idea there is to assist educators or or 
people in the school, bus drivers, cafeteria people, anybody associated with kids, the confidence and the skills they need to be able to ask the student how they're doing, have a little bit of a conversation in, in that sort of idea to be able to triage them and then pass them along and with some information to somebody who can help, right? And just sort of mm. flag that and identify and sort of, as, as Heather was saying, be able to look for those signs and symptoms in a kid that they may see every day, whether it's on the tennis team or whether it's in their math class, if all of a sudden they become much more withdrawn or late all the time or now have become, you know, running down to the nurse, you know, three times a day. Um, to start to identify and see some warning signs and, like I said, to give some skills or and a confidence level to how to approach some of these conversations so that you can get just the ball rolling and normalize it for that child so that they can come forward and, and use some other services. So just wanted to um, sort of let you know that's another resource that uh, certainly in the community we can help out with. Um, and as far back to your question about, about self-care, right? Um, you know, sort of the basics of there are probably things that your mother told you, right? Of getting enough sleep at night and eating healthy and getting some exercise and all those things. And I think this is where COVID, this is in part why we saw so many numbers escalate during COVID is that being withdrawn socially from others tends to have a negative impact on us. We are social creatures, right? So connecting with people and getting social supports when you can, whether it's with friends or family or spiritual, being able to have those networks and those connections that make us feel a part of community, which is what you were saying earlier, and a part of something, you know, sort of larger and bigger and somebody to check on us regularly. All those things are very important. Terrific, terrific. Heather? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's also exactly what Kathleen said, setting, trying to set realistic expectations because everyone, even especially if you have little kids or you just want to make this time of year so magical, um, everybody feels like it should be so magical. And oftentimes what's going on in our hearts or our minds doesn't feel as magical as you think it should be. And that makes you feel a little harder on yourself or judge yourself a little too much, but it's giving yourself a little bit of grace to realize that I can do what I can do, but keep checking in with yourself to make sure you're normalizing it and trying to be thoughtful about, is this getting bigger than I can handle? Or is this just, I had a stressful moment? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I did hear, I was listening to a podcast recently and one of the things someone said was try to frame things as temporary you know, instead of thinking this is the end all and the be all, everything is ruined, everything is this, to just think, okay, this is today or this is this hour. Um, so th that's, those are good words. Thank you. Um, Susan, anything to add? Um, January, I'm looking to post places in Hingham where you can go get some air, fresh air. We've been cooped up inside with the holidays and just need some time. And we have conservation trails, trustees, um, meditation groups. There's a whole bunch of other things. And that's what I'm trying to do is pull the whole town. And we're also private schools too. It's just not public schools. So mm -hmm. I'm pulling in things that they might be doing for the community at large. You know, I, I don't know if people are walking their dog or doing their dishes, but just in case, let's give them ways to either reach 
you all if necessary or ways to reach your services. Um, Susan, one more time, give us the, the town page or phone number. Um, the town health department, 781-741-1466. They can go to the town Facebook page or the town website. And under the health department next month, we're gonna have a Hingham Health and Wellness page with all these different resources that Kathleen and Heather and Veterans and Elder Services is talking about just to come together at one source. Terrific. Heather, I'm assuming people should call their individual school if they have an issue? Right. Their school, their school counselor is a great place to start. We also have a ton of resources on the social emotional wellness page of the school's website. So if you go to hinghamschools.org and look for that uh, students and families tab in the social emotional wellness website, we'll give a lot of resources, um, how to connect with Kathleen, not Kathleen specifically, but Aspire um, and other services, <laughs> well as um, different you know, uh, resources for a bunch of different areas that people need may need help for is all on our website, which is great. But yes, for an individual concern about an individual student, start with your school counselor. Terrific. And Kathleen, if folks want to reach Aspire directly, what should they do? Sure. So there's, there's two things. So we also run the crisis team. So if you're having an immediate crisis or concerned about somebody hurting themselves or not taking uh, good care in a way that is concerning or detrimental to them, our crisis team is 617-774-6036. And that's also a mobile crisis team. Depending on the issue, they can come to you or uh, come to our crisis team either at 460 Quincy Ave or South Shore Hospital by way of South Shore Hospital Emergency Department. For our outpatient services, it's 617-847-1950. Excellent, excellent. I thank you all so much. Susan Sarney, Heather Rodriguez, Kathleen Bambrick, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Sally. Let me say again, if you or someone you know is thinking about suicide, please call 988 for immediate help and take advantage of the resources we've talked about here. Okay. I want to thank our media partners at the Hingham Anchor. All news is local. And thank you for listening. Support the Hingham cast by following or subscribing to the podcast wherever you listen. I'm Allie Donnelly. Talk to you soon.